This podcast is brought to you by Barkey's RV Rental. They will bring the camper to your pre-selected campsite. They'll set it all up, show you how everything works, and then they'll come and pick it up when your camping trip is done. All you have to bring is your family and the fun. www.barkeyrvrental.com Let the camping begin. Hello, it's Wake Up to the Word. We're glad you are with us. We are here for Old Testament Thursday. We are glad you've joined us. Let's uh, get our smattering of applause. Come on, I think we could probably do better than that. So let's... Oh, we're not working again. Don't know what's happening here. All right, we'll have to go with that. We got uh, very strange things happening. There you go. Now we hear it. All right. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Glad you are with us. It is Thursday, January the 18th. This is episode 109, and today is devoted to the Song of Solomon. So, great book going to get into it in a little bit. <clears throat> We're uh, glad you're joining us. We had uh, James shouted out on our where you're from, what country and state. He is from he is from America, the United States of America and Florida. So we're glad you're joining us, James. Thank you for throwing your name on the question and uh if you do not know, if you're hearing us for the first time, and you uh, want to read along with us in our Bible reading plan, you can go to wakeuptotheword.org, and you can put your name in there, and we'll send you one out. We just had a few more uh, readers join us at the end of December. They got their reading plan, and they're joining in on us starting in January. So you can join in, too. You can start in any time you don't have to go back and read everything else join us we'll catch you up to up to speed we're going through the book bible chronologically and i'm just grabbing some pieces out on thursday and friday thursday's old testament thursday friday is new testament friday and we're going through the entire bible and we're on song of solomon today and we will uh it's only eight chapters and so uh we're gonna cover that all today we're not gonna you know, read the whole thing, but I'm going to grab excerpts out. I'm going to explain it, but we are just glad that you are here. We're glad you're joining us. So, uh, as we get into the book of Song of Solomon, probably written uh, about 956 BC, um, by King Solomon, and I've expressed this before, we have this very poetic name in English for Solomon. It just sounds regal. But uh, in Hebrew, the name is actually Shlomo. 
so <laughs> doesn't quite have the same eloquence um <laughs> so uh but um uh, so we, we uh as he's writing this this is broken basically into three parts this is about uh courtship wedding and marriage and that's what the entire thing is about and it's actually broken into those three parts so chapter one through chapter two and just the beginning of chapter three up to chapter up to verse five is all about the courtship and then from five all the way into uh i mean uh three to five one is all is all about uh, three six to five one is all about the wedding and then from 5-2 uh, all the way to the end of the book is about a mature marriage and the, uh, the romance and the love and, and uh, that's involved in marriage. And uh, you're going to see these characters throughout. There's she, there's others, there's he. And the others are kind of uh, people looking on. They can be looked at as uh, ladies-in-waiting. They can be looked at as... But the, the what's really uh, cool in this is it really gives you a picture of a proper God-honoring, God's best relationship for men and for women. And in this culture of... Uh, uh, gender confusion and uh, sexual identity and uh, what people are supposed to do. This is a picture of God's best. And, uh, you know, call me whatever name you want. I'm okay with it. Uh, I just see God's best in this for men and for women and the relationship. So this is very... Um, poignant it's poetry it's poetic it uses all kinds of poetic and flowery language and uh it's enjoyable and so you know to go through it you get an understanding i mean it even starts off with you know uh song of solomon which uh, the the song of songs which is solomon's and if you go all the way back to kings it talks about he wrote a thousand and five songs and from what I've uh, read and understand and glean is that uh, this is um, uh, the Song of Solomon is here because they're saying it is the best song that he's ever written. It's it's like really trying to build it up as this Song of Solomon, and it's uh, it's a, it's his Song of Songs. It's the best song that he's ever written, and so uh, that's why it has that Song of Songs. Um, so um, it's like King of Kings, right? Same thing. He's the, the highest. And this is the best song that he has written. So <clears throat> the courtship begins right here at verse 2. And um, she's, she's thinking about him and thinking about what could happen. And other people are looking on. Um, they they want to... They wanna, uh, Re they want to rejoice they extol the love it says in verse 4 we will ex exalt and rejoice in you we will extol your love more than wine R uh, rightly do they love you and it, it actually talks about um the woman talks about other women looking on and and really desiring that yeah, I mean, it's like solomon is like the first rock star that he has this following um but uh 
as it mentions, as we get into uh, chapter two, um, there's this this people look at this, uh, you know, uh, Bible scholars and learned people, and uh, uh, of which I am not necessarily a Bible scholar. Yes, exactly. That's one of my new sounds, and I'm so happy about it. I had to use it right away. <laughs> but uh, he, he uh, this verse 4 of chapter 2, He brought me to the banquet house, and his banner over me was love. And now you've heard that verse, his banner over us is love. It's this um, this picture of the the relationship between Christ and the church. It's this marriage relationship. And people put a lot of uh, this symbolism within the Song of Solomon and the different verses because it's a foreshadowing of the church, they're saying. Um, I put a note in my Bible that uh, this could be a uh, prophetic verse for the church, um, but also it could be a picture of the the, the the Hebrew wedding and marriage relationship, ceremony and relationship, which Jesus, which Christ drew from to paint a picture for us. I'm not saying it's not prophetic. I'm not saying it's not talking about the church. But what I am saying is Jesus laid the groundwork or God laid the groundwork within the Hebrew marriage ceremony that would be how Jesus would paint the picture of the relationship between the church and Christ. So uh, these things are not, not like a chicken and an egg thing, but it's it's God's creation. Everything has purpose. So when you look at the marriage ceremony, it is the picture, it is the symbolism of the relationship between Christ and the church. So a book like Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, um, is that picture that we're supposed to have, that attraction we're supposed to have for Christ, that attraction that he has for us in all the things, all the pictures that that puts together. Uh, in in uh, chapter 3, the bride dreams about the relationship with the groom with the man and so is that our hope do we do we dream about our relationship with christ do we dream about that marriage supper of the lamb do we do we is that what we look forward to do we yearn for it do we desire it that's what this is painting a picture of for us this that is drawing off of this um relationship it's drawing off of the picture that's painted here that's what christ was showing us by creating that symbolic picture for us. Um, Solomon arrives at the wedding, and that's that's in chapter 3 at verse 6, and uh, is this like Christ returning? He arrives at the wedding ceremony. Is this like Christ returning? And and so he, he admires uh, his bride's beauty. He loves the bride. And then as we get into chapter 4, that's where he's talking about his, his love for the bride and his beauty. And, and if we get into uh, uh, as we get to verse 7 of chapter 4, you are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. And that kind of beckons, kind of gives you some 
picture of Ephesians 5 and uh, we get down to verse about 27 and uh, it talks about that that the bride has uh, th- that the bridegroom presents the bride without spot and without blemish and so that's kind of the same picture you are altogether beautiful my love there is no flaw in you and that's what Christ is calling the church through the sanctification process through the blood of Jesus Christ through what he, he, the bridegroom, has done for the bride that he's presenting now the bride without flaw and without blemish. And that's what how this, how this groom, how Solomon, sees his bride at the wedding. No flaws. And if you've been married, uh, that that wedding ceremony, uh, pe- people said to me uh, after my wedding, soon as Stacy popped around the corner, she, they said, my whole face lit up. My whole countenance changed as I stood there. I went from nervous to, uh, to, uh, to seeing beauty. And so it was, uh, they said, your whole face changed. And so that's just, that's what is the expectation that we have. Um, together in the garden of love that's cha- uh, we get to chapter five and we get more conversation between the two um and and this this last part of five is interesting um i came to my garden my sister my bride i gathered my myrrh and my spice i ate my honeycomb with my honey i drank my wine with my milk eat friends dr- eat friends drink and be drunk with love. And so it's just talking about that consuming love that we have for our, our, our in this case, this is, a, this is a, both um, the groom talking and then the others, the ones who are gathered. And, and they, they, uh, they're, they're intoxicated with the, with the love. They're intoxicated with the presence. Not necessarily the, the wine part of it, but... The, the intoxication that comes with being part of the relationship, being part of the, the bride and the bridegroom, Christ and the church, that should have its own intoxication to it. It should have this own draw, this own desire, this own gathering type of thing. And then as we come into the, uh, the, the meat, chat, verse 2 of chapter 5, it's now the marriage is moving into maturity. Um, this is now the church and Christ and, and a mature relationship. And um, the, uh, the bride searches for her beloved. He's busy doing things, but, but the bride keeps searching for him. Um, and the others are looking on. What is your beloved more than other beloved? Oh, most beautiful. I'm sorry. All the way down in verse 9. Oh, most beautiful among women. What is your beloved more than another beloved that you thus adjure us and so she's uh imploring them and she's looking for him she wants the connection and uh the bride praises her beloved and that's the thing is she's always uh lifting him up always before people always saying good things never bad things always encouraging always being positive and the others receive that as we get into six and together in the garden they share the intimacy together this is chapter six um 
they delight in each other and they also talk about not and this is a repeating theme uh it's in multiple places in two in 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 five and in eight um as we get to the last chapter um longing for her beloved uh, I adjure you, O daughter, this is verse 4, I adjure you, O daughter of Jerusalem, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases or until it's time. And so that is both, they, it's in all three sections, which is really interesting that they say it for the courtship that, you know, there's a right time for love and it's not when you're courting and then even after the wedding ceremony there's still a right time for love and you wait until that happens and so and then even in the mature you you don't just force that you don't just force that to happen it 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 spoils the the love it spoils the intimacy and so in each season of life there's a right time and a wrong time and uh and 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 so it's saying wait until the right time and i'd implore you if you're single and you're in you're in and you're listening to this and uh you're not married wait until the time is right wait until the wedding time because that's when the time is right and then even there there's a respect and a love for each other and that uh, i know that sometimes guys they lose their mind and they and they, and they press and they press it's a hormonal thing i guess so and they yeah what would you do with the brain if you had exactly one? what would you do with a brain if you had one guys um it's it's that kind of uh, waiting and patience and care and love that that God waits on us uh, Christ waits on us and he's trying to show us as men how we wait for our bride he is very patient he's loving he's merciful he's full of grace and he's he's painting that picture uh, through the marriage um, and then the in in chapter 8 there's the Part there's a actually a quite a um, famous song several years back, um, eight eight, and a little bit of seven. Oh, sorry, six and a little bit of seven. Uh, Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death, jealousy is fierce as the grave. It flashes, uh, its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love neither can floods drown it so then that's goes into the final chapters of it and talks about um final advice and really uh, it talks about you know the little sisters and giving them advice about waiting uh be a strong tower and uh, we want to support that tower until it's time to take the walls down and then is the right time to to uh, be intimate so uh i can't implore enough that the the confusion uh gender confusion the uh sexual uh confusion has uh really divided us uh, both as a country as people and even within the church uh there's division on this and and uh the truth of the matter is is god has given us his word to show us his best does it mean that people who are not doing it 
his best that aren't um engaging in his best for their life that uh they are a lost cause no that's not what it's saying at all how many areas in our own life even if we haven't got gender confusion or we're not uh, dabbling in in sexual immorality uh, how many other areas of life do we get into that are not God's best? How many of us gossip? How many of us put impure things into our body? How many of us look at porn? How many how many people out there uh, have struggles in all kinds of sinful areas with rage, um, with, with uh, just all kinds of different things that God has told us we need to stay away from? The envy, bitterness, uh, the list is very long. And um, yeah, no, we're not doing God's best in those areas. Does that mean God casts us aside? No. Does that mean we cast each other aside? No, it doesn't. What it means is, is we look for opportunities to point people to God's best. It's not an us and them. It's an us and us. It's, it's those of us who are spiritual beggars who have found the spiritual bread and what we want is to let the hungry know where the bread is that's what we're doing we know that they're hungry we know that they're starving for truth they're starving for god's best because within every single person is this spiritual gap and they're trying to fill it with something sometimes it's it's drugs and alcohol. Sometimes it's bad relationships. Sometimes it's making themselves feel important through pride or bitterness or, or, or any of these things. But what God wants us to do is always point them toward his best. And the only way to know his best is by getting in his word. And that's why we do what we do. We want to unpack God's word for people and unpack it in a way that they just don't hear it, but they do it. They want to do it. They're drawn to it. There's, there's, there's no other thing that they can do. And it's not because of how we present it. It's because of what it is. It is the very living and active Word of God. And as we present it, as we put it out, then it does what it does through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of God's spoken Word. So we love you guys. We're glad that you are here. And we are going to pray you out as we end this episode of Wake Up to the Word. Father God, we ask you to be with us as we uh, implore people to strive for your best. That they get into your word. That their lives are changed because of the word and because of the spirit. We ask that you would partner with us that we could be your vessels to point people to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you tomorrow.